Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. The movies for this week are Ichi the Killer and Old Boy. It's Hammer Time. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. It just, it's there because it's a possibility. It's, yeah. But they don't give any other possibilities. No. There's, I mean, there's, there's no other, like, well, these are the five possibilities. It's just like, you hear it on the radio, and then the dead are coming back to life. Seems yep. good enough to me. It's, it's people be stupid, yo. Yeah. So, do we want to talk about how a new policy of our podcast is to accidentally pull off April Fool's pranks? Because you remember last year when we dropped like an episode, and all of our listeners thought it was an April Fool's Day joke, but it wasn't. It was just the episode we happened to put out yeah. there. And then this year we promised them a new episode available on April 1st, and then we didn't give them one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, I, I don't know how we're going to keep this trend up, because now that we know it exists, it's almost impossible uh, to accidentally prank them next year. But uh, Yeah, we keep pulling April Fool's Day pranks without even realizing that. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. <laughs> I Just just because on April 1st I was at work trying to find something to listen to and I was like oh I can't listen to me this week it's too bad I really like listening to me and then, <laughs> like oh look at that I pranked myself uh, I uh I ran out of podcast today while I was at work and it's the first time in like <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know like five years that that's ever happened and I was like staring at my phone confused I was like I don't even know what to do with this <laughs> If I ran out of podcasts, let's do it work. I think I'd go home. I, I don't. I don't think I'd make it. It's like you don't understand. I can't work because I don't have any podcasts left. Back when it was like when podcasts were on like my MP3 player, and I had to actually like download them on my computer and transfer them over to my MP3 mm. player. And so, like, if you ran out, that's it. There was nothing you could do. Yeah. It was uh, at one point my MP3 player stopped working, and I put in a formal request for family-related leave. I said, "If this thing's dead, I gotta go get a new one." <laughs> it's, it's the only person I live with, and it's the only person I want to live with at the time. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I had an iPod, so yeah, if I would have ran out of shit, I would have been like, "Well, fuck!" I don't yeah, even know. I won't even know if there's a new podcast till I get home and look at iTunes. It's so weird. You have to like to even think about that now. <laughs> like just I, now, it's like I can't even imagine if I had to like go in my phone and click which ones to download. It's like if they don't come automatically, I have enough that come automatically that I can't get through them. So that's it. 
Like I was watching, I was watching the movies, and of course, uh, you know, one of them takes place two thousand three, and he's got a flip phone. I was like, oh, I think I had that phone, and I was sitting there looking at it. And I'm just like, what did I ever do with that piece of junk? I couldn't even get on the internet. What good was it? I don't know. My flip phone, the last flip phone I had, actually had uh, Street Fighter Two on it somehow. It's like what? came with it. It's all I remember is it had Street Fighter 2 on it. It was like the worst ever, but I'd still try to play it. Let's say how would that even work? It was not well. <laughs> My flip phone had Uno on it, and that was like a miracle. I couldn't imagine Street Fighter 2. I know I had Centipede on one of them. Centipede? It's Snake. That just sounds Centipede. like the same game made by two different companies. <laughs> Kind of is. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't even know what to do. Like, I've left my phone at home before, like, when we've gone somewhere, and I feel horrible the entire time. See, back that's the one thing. Back when I had a flip phone, I could leave my phone at home, and I wouldn't care. Mm. Like, now that I actually, now that it's my MP3 player, and my and I watch, can watch, like, multiple streaming services through it, or constantly be updated on sports scores or anything else I feel like doing. Now it's like I've grown more dependent on it. Yeah. Yeah. The magic window in my pocket that connects me to the entire database of the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, it's just your phone. It's not a big deal. I'm like, it's my connection to the world. What are you doing? What, what would I do? Talk to people? I'm not going to talk to people. <laughs> That's a bullshit. Well, well, yeah, like, could you imagine living in a world where if, like, you wanted to know something, you had to walk up to a human being and ask them? What if, like, the person that knew that was an asshole? You'd still have to ask them. Forget that. I'm glad that doesn't happen ever again. You have to go up to someone and ask them when the Mongols ruled China. That's a Bill and Ted joke for everybody. Yeah. Now, here's the other question, though. Would you just not need to know as much stuff? Because I find quite often things I'm looking up on the internet. <laughs> It's not stuff I need to know. <laughs> the, the other day, I I, the other day, I was looking into when Soul Asylum formed as a band and whether they were still putting out new music. And as I was reading the information, I was thinking, "There's no possible reason why I'll ever need to know this." <laughs> <laughs> you just want to know. <laughs> it just turns out they formed in 1981, and their last album came out in 2016. For anyone keeping track at home, but I don't know why I'm ever going to need that information. You never know. You could end up on uh, Jeopardy and need to know that. I feel like you don't just end up on Jeopardy. <laughs> since life is not as much like a sitcom as I want it to be, you don't just accidentally end up on Jeopardy. I, uh, I had a friend that was on Jeopardy. He did not win. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you go on Jeopardy, you either want to win or you just want to like not get one question right the whole time you're there. That way you uh, really embarrass yourself and have a story to tell. I remember he like posts the picture of himself on Jeopardy every once in a while on uh, Facebook. I'll have to see if I can find it. Cause he's wearing like a, a cowboy shirt or something. It's something ridiculous. I'm like, John, what were you doing? <laughs> he's trying to go to a taping of the Price is Right where you're supposed to be trying to <laughs> stand in the crowd. <laughs> One wrong door you go through. It's like, oh, I thought I was going to be hanging out with, uh, uh, well, at the time, I guess Bob Barker, but he ended up with Alex Trebek. <sighs> so, Noah, you picked the fucking movies this week. Yeah. 
you want to tell us about Ichi the Killer? Because I'm definitely not going to. Uh, so Itchy the Killer is a uh, movie about sadistic personalities and masochistic personalities and how they interplay with each other throughout a Yakuza film. The, the right. end. Nothing, nothing, nothing extraordinary happens. Right. Yeah. But see, you say it like it's simple, but I've been trying to understand what this movie's about. So I've reread the Wikipedia plot description like three times. And it's like seven pages long, and it still doesn't make any fucking sense to me after reading it three times. <laughs> okay. So don't act like this is a simple film, because I wanted it to be a simple film, and it is not. I wanted that to be a film. I think it qualifies as a film. Well, it was shot on film. <laughs> I mean, which which part's the part that confuses you guys? The the guy uh, in the motorcycle outfit with the blades on the back of his feet murdering people, or the guy whose mouth is split open and he has piercings holding it shut, or the weird, balding, small man who turns out to be a muscle machine? I never said I was confused. I don't know. It's it's once again it's a Japanese movie, so it's got a weird structure to it. <laughs> that's uh, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> but like I said, it's about it's about sadomasochism. I mean, it's just told okay. through yakuza. All right. Because okay, dude, dude with the piercings in his face is yeah. is is a masochist, and he's looking for a thrill, which he can no longer fill any type of thrill because uh, he's already pushed those boundaries so far, hence his you know cheeks being split open and all, all that weird shit that's He does cut his own again. tongue in half during the movie so. Yes, yes he does. And then Ichi, see, is a sadist but he doesn't like understand that he's a sadist because weird muscle bald man <laughs> brainwashed him into becoming a, a killer for hire. Mm. And and the whole thing is that uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember what Pearson guy's name is. Is is it Kiaku? Something like that. Yeah. I I well like that's just my ignorance. I have trouble understanding Japanese names. Right, right. So so it's this idea of uh, that even though it seems like it's going to result in his death, his his entire thing is that he's excited that he finally has found somebody <laughs> that's so sadistic and messed up that he's actually going to be able to like give him enjoyment again. Does that, does that make sense? All right. So does that clear anything up? Do you guys get what's going on? How I choose to interpret this film is that it's a collection of fucked up scenes that individually are all pretty good, but don't really make any sense together. That's how that's going to be my new plot description of the movie. (laughs) I, I would agree except for the part that, individually are actually pretty good not all of them are great but some of them i think are really cool like if we go like that opening torture scene where he's got the one dude hanging from those hooks and he pours like boiling oil over him mm-hmm. that's pretty fucking cool while making a delicious shrimp tempura cool but, disturbing yeah you know two different things but Okay, but <laughs> did did the movie lose you guys when the uh, opening credits scroll the name in uh, a weird pile of semen? Is that it didn't help. <laughs> that, there that, were that, subtitles at that point, so I was still comfortable at least understanding what was going on. And I had to look it up, and that was in fact actual semen. So 
Oh, well, thank you for looking that up because I didn't yeah. think to Google that. Well, it's it's okay. <sighs> that makes sense. IMDb told me it was the real deal. Great. <laughs> I don't feel that Brian is going to recommend this film. <laughs> I you... mean, just just from the horror aspect, all the gore stuff is so fucking cool. How could you not enjoy that? Because it comes with like no real like comprehensive story behind it. I mean, there's a story, but I'm just like, I don't give a shit about any of this. But there, but there is a, not not only is there a comprehensive story, it's actually kind of like a deep story if you really dissect it. Yeah, didn't care. Yeah, see, here's where I'm gonna I'm gonna step in and say my problem is I feel like if you want me to get involved in a deep story, then don't have this cartoonish gore and stuff. And that, to me, like the two kind of contradict each other. Where I'm going, like, okay, yeah, some of the gore is fun to watch for sure. There's a scene where the guy with the blades on his feet slices the other dude in half, and you're like, that was pretty fun to watch. That's like in a, in a Final Destination kind of way. That was fun to watch. Okay, but now you're going to expect me to start following little plot twists about brainwashing people into becoming hitmen or something, and I'm like, I don't. I'm not going to start following that plot line after seeing those scenes, kind of thing. See, I didn't even get the brainwashing. I must have just been like, I'm bored with this and started looking at my phone. Yeah, and that was the other problem is because I wasn't int too intrigued with the plot, I definitely am guilty of looking down at my phone a couple of times. And when a movie has subtitles, that really hinders your understanding of what's going mm. on. And then I had to watch it in two chunks. Like, I watched uh, half of it the other day. I was doing laundry, and then uh, I was like, I'm done doing laundry. I'm going to go to bed, so I'm not going to watch the rest of this. And then I watched the other half today, and that probably didn't help. That Probably. A couple days later, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to remember all the shit that I didn't find interesting when I originally watched it. But the dude the dude and the lady grabbed that guy by the cheeks and tried to, like, pull his face in half. Yeah, that was a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. Well, that was the other, the other thing I found... Uh strange about the movie is like some of the gore like that like that torture scene where you said it was disturbing not cool um i happen to think it's both but that is like a difficult torture scene to watch when they're doing that shit to that guy and he's hanging there and completely helpless that's hard to see but then when a guy's face literally gets pulled off and thrown against the wall or that guy's jaws fall open because he takes the pins out of his cheek you're like now we're in a cartoon and the two don't go together. They shouldn't be in the same movie necessarily. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not really complaining about either from either type of gore. Like either do your like serious dark gore or your more cartoonish over the top gore. Both can be fun, but you can't. I don't think you can have both in the same movie. It causes them to it, it lessens the effect of both types of gore. So, so what I'm hearing is you guys don't like Japanese. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with that logic. There, I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying there's never been a Japanese movie I liked. Mm -hmm. And certainly, there have been some that I've respected. There have been. I think we did one on the last horror cast, uh, House or whatever it was called. How uh, too? Yeah, which was equally fucked up to this one, but it was just more lighthearted and enjoyable. And I think I I liked that one a lot more. But yeah, basically, no, I'm not a huge fan of Japanese filmmaking. And it's hard to explain exactly why without going through, because obviously saying Japanese filmmaking is very... There's a wide variety of it. 
Well, it's, but, it, you know. and it's it's alien. Yeah, for sure. Mm. So I will uh, I will agree with what Doug just said. I'm just I don't know. There's been other movies that I've reviewed. Like I think we did Big Man Japan for Drunken Zombie back in the day, and I was like, this is dumb. Yeah, and it's hard for me to explain exactly what it is about Japanese filmmaking, but I think now that I'm like trying to think it through, it, it has a lot to do with the way they, they will mix these more complex storytelling with these sort of like fun type gore moments. And for me, it's just those two things contradict each other. It's like if I'm watching like a drama about the Yakuza, then I don't want these over-the-top gore scenes. And if I'm just watching like a splatter film, then get all this plot out of the way and, and make it, you know, an hour and a half long of splatter. Because the other th- problem that results when you try to make two is that now you've got a two hour long splatter film, which is too long for a splatter film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both these movies were over two hours. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. How are you supposed to binge watch these in a day before you have to do your podcast? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. You had really... two weeks. <laughs> they didn't really have podcasting back when these movies were made in 01 and yeah. 03, so that's why they were longer. So I think yeah. we're going to be in an argument in a few minutes here, Brian. So no, <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm not agreeing with you too much. No, I'm not. I'm not. Like people who like it are fine. Whatever. This uh, honestly, I feel like this falls into like the trauma category for me because I'm not a big fan of trauma either. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's just sort of, eh, it is what it is. Definitely not for me. Okay. Yeah, and I, and I can see that with, like, with Ichi, it is in my, like, very Japanese. And, you know, if, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. Um, mm. So I can, I can, I feel kind of that way with it, where I'm just, like, watching it going, like, when I went back and rewatched some of the gore scenes on YouTube, I enjoyed them. I didn't really like them that much when I was watching the movie itself, which is an interesting dynamic to find yourself in. You're like, kind of like, okay, well, that means their moments are okay. It's just the overall filmmaking style that it doesn't work for me. But no, you apparently love this movie. So why don't you tell us what you love about it? All, all the things? <laughs> I, I think the like, listeners nothing... would appreciate it if you were a little more specific. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's, it's Takashi Miike. He doesn't do a lot of things I don't like. His movies are awesome. Like I said, this movie, it works on a bunch of levels. It's got cool gore stuff that I can enjoy the movie for that. And then it's got its weird Japanese Looney Tunes moments, which are funny, and I can enjoy that. And then it's got this incredibly complex, emotional uh, uh, undertone and story to it that's just super cool. And you can like dissect it as a piece of art at the same time that it's also a gore movie and uh, a silly Looney Tunes movie, which I, I think that's awesome that he does all those things. And I totally get why other people don't like it, because once again... Japanese film is is alien. If you are used to watching Western filmmaking, Japanese filmmaking is just so fucking different in every conceivable way that it doesn't line up to most people's sensibilities that way. It's kind it's kind of like Juon, you know what I mean? Juon is a pretty good horror movie, but 
it's just not an American horror movie because and it doesn't make any sense if you're an American watching it. What's the grudge? Sort of the same, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get any angry emails from fans of J-Horror a few sounds that the grudge and you on are pretty much the same. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This movie just didn't do it for me. It, it makes Sorry, me sad. No. It makes me sad that you guys didn't get to enjoy them. Well, it sounds yeah. like Doug enjoyed it more than I did. But. Uh, yeah, again, like I, I like moments in it. Um, I, I just overall, it, it's the filmmaking style is not for me. It sounds like everything I didn't like is exactly what Noah did like. So we're at that point of the podcast again. <laughs> like we are every week. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll circle back someday and try some more Japanese stuff and see if I can change you guys' mind. We'll see, but I don't know. Like like I said, and I think, I think both Brian and I are saying, like, yeah, we... When you said, oh, you guys just don't like Japanese filmmaking, it's like, yeah, I guess that's the problem. Because um, I definitely have seen other stuff. I'm, trying, I'm having trouble thinking of examples off the top of my head. But I uh, definitely have seen enough Japanese stuff to know that I don't buy into it. Even The Ring or, or Ringu, whichever, whatever the Japanese title is and stuff like that. I'd never understood the hype around it. Um, I understand that for some people it's their favorite horror of all time. I respect it as quality film, but I've never gotten really into that style of horror. And it's yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get super into Japanese ghost stories. That's not my thing. You see, I think that, and I enjoy more of that stuff. Like uh, the original, I am a big fan of. Um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, maybe we'll try. Uh, maybe next time we'll try Battle Royale. See, and I do like Battle Royale. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, yeah. It's, it's the Hunger Games, only not shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Battle Royale is the exception that proves the rule for me with Japanese filmmaking, yeah. and I think that was the one that I saw first, actually, which is why I saw other Japanese movies because I like kept looking for other ones that were made like that, but. Uh, but Battle Royale is a um, it is much more of a straightforward narrative. It does, I think. My complaint about this movie where you mix and match the different types of gore, I think that problem doesn't exist in Battle Royale. Plus a bunch of children killing each other. <laughs> that, that sort of thing is uh, something I can usually get behind. Have, have you ever read the manga? No. Off of it? In, in the manga, they're even younger. <laughs> they're like little kids. You're like, oh god, this is I'd be down for that. If we could do a remake where we just cast much younger children. Well, anything else you want to tell us, Noah, to try to sway us over? Why Ichi the Killer's good? I don't see. The, the problem is if I keep talking about I'm just going to wax ecstatic. Like uh, them getting to see that dude who got every bone in his body broken by the weird, strong, old, old man. There's something awesome about that, and I know you guys didn't enjoy it, but I really enjoy that. Especially the fact that he takes a solid four minutes to undress and flex before doing it. It looked like he was doing the world's worst Japanese wrestling promo. All right. So here's my question for you. Why was there a whole thing in this movie where the one guy 
that knew everybody had plastic surgery, so he'd look completely different, so nobody knew who he was. But then he would tell everybody who he was, so he wasn't hiding. Then why did he have plastic surgery to look totally different? Was there some element of the plot that I just missed that explains why that guy existed? No, I think that's just one of those things that doesn't make sense. Okay. Mm. See, things not making sense is one of those things in movies that usually bugs me. So... Things not making sense in a Japanese movie actually make sense, which is weird. True. All right. Well, I recommend from all three. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> well, I think we I think we uh, expressed our thoughts clearly, and people, you know, if if it's the things that bug Brian and I aren't going to bug you, then this film's not for you. Um, again, it's really a matter of opinion whether those things are. If you want to see a guy in an S&M uh, dirt bike outfit uh, kill a room full of people with his heels, then uh, this is the movie for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Th- I don't. I don't think there's another one. That sort of thing actually happens more than once in this movie. Uh, we should also mention that uh, the secondary theme of these movies is people cutting their tongues off. Yeah, that's the most exactly. <laughs> weirdly valid point that we did pick two movies without thinking it through we managed to pick two movies where people cut out their own tongues I don't know that many movies where that happens and and hypnosis solid yeah hypnosis brainwashing oh yeah see they weirdly fit together even though we just kind of threw them together at the last second yeah I'll tell you what, this one's missing. Badass claw hammer fight. Yeah. I guess that's true. Does that mean, Doug, do you want to tell us about Old Boy? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know how spoilery we want to get the plot description of the movie is from yeah. 3, and most people have seen it. But uh, I don't know. Do you think we should do a minor spoiler section? I, I would say... It's okay to spoil everything except for the ending, because if somebody hasn't seen it and is going to see it, you don't want to, like, ruin that for them. Well, the problem is there's, like, four twists in a row right at the end, so it's, like, (laughs) knowing where to cut it out. Anyways, I'll I'll do a general plot description. Maybe we will throw in a bit of a spoiler so we can discuss the ending, because it is... This is is from 03. It's, It's from 03. It's the era of the big twist. Um... But let's just say the basic plot of the movie is that uh, this guy, he's kind of a loudmouth, drunken lout. He is... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. He, he's pretty entertaining, I found him entertaining. He was hilarious. But, yeah, the whole thing with him being in the in the police station, all fucking drunk, and then when they finally get him to leave, he's flipping off the cops on the way out. <laughs> his friend is trying... Remember his, friend, his friend's like... Uh, don't worry, officer. I'll make sure that this doesn't happen again. I'll prevent him from drinking so much that he doesn't cause any trouble. And he's like, see you later, piggies. I'll be back soon. <laughs> he's like, fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I kind of want to hang out with that guy. But unfortunately, I wouldn't get the chance because he is kidnapped um, and locked in basically like kind of a cell, but it's really basically a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is kept for 15 years. He has he has TV and everything, um, but he's just not really allowed to leave that room. 
Uh, every once in a while, he's drugged. So they can, so when he wakes up, he has like a haircut and stuff. So he's, you know, he's not being treated as terribly as you could be, but he is locked in a room for 15 years. Honestly, I watched this part and I was like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> there were parts of it where I'm like, yeah, like, why are you trying so hard to get out, man? They're bringing you food. Just sit and watch, watch TV all day. It is TV that, like, because I, th- I think he gets out in 03 just conceptually, so he gets locked in there in like 88, so it is 90s TV. Uh, that he's watching most of the time. I don't care. Turn on my TGIF. I'm fine with that. <laughs> so uh, he does. He starts to get angry, so he starts training himself how to fight and stuff. Uh, he starts tattooing himself as a way to keep track of the time. He doesn't like being locked up the way Brian would. So <laughs> no. he, uh, one day they basically just let him out. They, they drug him, and when he wakes up, he's in a suitcase on the roof of the building, <laughs> um, which is an awesome way to let somebody out of their jail cell. Uh, he does spend a significant portion of that 15 years uh, punching a drawing of a man on the wall. <laughs> yeah, but it's part of his physical training himself, too. Uh, and basically, he's training himself to seek revenge on the people who have done this to him. Mm-hmm. Immediately upon getting out, he... Um, starts basically trying to figure out what happened to him and you know why he's been locked up, who did it, so he can go after them. He's been making notes while he was in there, coming up with a list of all the people he'd wronged in his life that might be doing it. And most of the rest of the movie is him teamed up with a waitress that he meets at the first restaurant where he goes to eat a live squid. Um, so they're, they're teamed up and it's kind of a cat and mouse game where it's clear that the people who had him locked up are kind of still toying with him while he's trying to hunt them down. There are several moments of cool, intense violence that result, such as the infamous uh, hallway fight that we're going to talk about, which has clearly been a major inspiration on all of the new Marvel television series that have come out. Um, And then he eventually does narrow it down to who his uh, who his captors were, and why he was locked up there, and we get the explanation as to why he was locked up there, which is kind of a spoiler, and then we get the explanation of what the true revenge that they took on him was, because being locked up there for 15 years was, uh, was not the only thing they did to him, and then we get a pretty fucked up ending. Um... So we'll throw a spoiler alert before we discuss all those details. But I guess let's start with Brian, because you're saying you're not really a fan of either of the movies, is the impression I'm getting. Uh, Thoughts on this one? Well, Doug, you would be wrong. I actually thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Okay, good, good. Uh, I think just because it wasn't, it's kind of funny to say this about this movie, I guess. It wasn't as crazy and over the top as the other one. So maybe I got more invested into the story. Yeah, I for me, definitely Old Boy works on a story level, whereas Ichi didn't. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll just get it out there before Noah has a chance to bring it up. But yeah, it's the difference between South Korean filmmaking and Japanese filmmaking. South Korean filmmaking is much much more straightforward, story oriented mm-hmm. than. Japanese style. Yeah, and well, and in addition to that, 
Old Boy is not just a good Korean movie, it might be the best Korean movie. <laughs> that and there's a few there's a few really, really good ones. Yeah. But I, old, old boy's up there in the running. Like I'll be honest, like before we started recording, I was just sitting here trying to decide who my favorite South Korean director was and I couldn't even narrow it down to one guy. I got it down to two. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I, I've been starting to think that maybe I'm just a huge fan of South Korean filmmaking. Um, but to say this one is the best, it's certainly that's not an unpopular opinion. It's definitely in the conversation. Yeah. Like for me, if I had to pick one, it's probably I saw the devil, but I can't argue that I can't argue against Old Boy necessarily. It is certainly a very, very good film. Um, Have you guys ever seen the good, the bad, and the weird? No. 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 It's like a South Korean Western. Oh, I think I've heard of this. Yeah, it's it's also real whacked out, but it's it's awesome. But yeah, I mean, anyways, to to try to keep it a little more specific to to Old Boy, like I. I don't know. No, do you do you have any comments on your your general thoughts on it while we get into this, or uh, me? Either one of you. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I thought the story was good. Um, the sad thing for me is, uh, sort of the entire story of the movie was spoiled for me a long time ago. Oh, okay. Oh, that sucks. I think it may have even been on an episode of Horror, etc. Maybe it's plausible. I'm pretty sure we did like a. Like we did like a, th- a three episode arc on South Korean cinema, I think back in the day. Yeah, and one of them so, was dedicated to Chen Wook Park. So I think I just ignored the spoiler warning and just listened. So I mean, I knew kind of how the story was going to unfold, but I still definitely wanted to kind of see how that worked. So I probably didn't as much as I did. Like I probably didn't get the full brunt of it since I already knew going in kind of yeah where everything was heading. Uh- I would say probably one of the best, the the biggest things that you can give this movie is the action sequences and the fact that they're like, uh, I don't, I don't even know what the word for it would be because, because realistic is not exactly correct because they're stylized, you know what I mean? But just so like something visceral about it, like. It yeah. seems like such an honest portrayal of violence, even though it's over top. You know what I mean? Like, Datsu fights off 45 guys in a hallway, you know? Yeah. But well, the thing is, he gets his ass beat in the process, you know? He gets his ass beat, and the other thing that happens a couple of times during that hallway fight scene, it, and this is one of the things I said it's inspirational for all the, the new Marvel TV series, he has to stop and take breaks. Because you can't yeah. fight for 15 minutes without like losing your breath. Nobody could, right? And that happens a couple of times where he just gets himself against the wall and is just like taking a breather before he gets back into it. And so I think that that ele- there's that element of it really, um, yeah. Like I said, it, it makes it feel very visceral. It makes it feel real. Um, and I think the other thing is because there are only a few really big violent moments in the movie. I think that they're built to through storyline. So by the time you get violence, you've had time to lead up to it. You've been foreseeing it coming and you're anticipating it. And so it really makes everything that happens a lot more impactful than it is in sort of your more traditional action movies where those action beats just come every 10 minutes. Yeah. 
Right. If, and there's the, I was going to say there's the little things too. So like in the hallway scene, there's guys laying on the ground who are like injured, you know, or he's, he's cracked their kneecaps or something with the claw hammer and basically put them down. And they're doing weird, feeble attempts to fight, like just like throwing shit at him, like throwing a shoe yeah. or at him. You know what I mean? And, and it seems like a joke, but you're like, if, if you were watching a bar fight, yeah, that's about right. Like that. <laughs> That's that's how those beat around. It's still some asshole laying on the ground, like I'm gonna throw this rock at you. <laughs> I got the last lick, making me the victor. Yeah, and like you're you're right. I think that it adds a sense of realism to it. Um, really, and and when you see violence in a movie and it feels real, it always has that just that impact, like where you're like, oh, that could happen. Like that, like yeah, it's probably not going to play out like this if you stop and think about it but yeah i could see i could see if a guy got hit with a hammer like that he'd be down but he'd still have like control of his upper body and he might use that upper body to throw things um so yeah that was such a good scene and there's that fantastic moment where he takes like he gets stabbed in the back and everybody kind of backs off of him like okay we got him mm -hmm. He stands up and he's like, fuck that. No, you didn't. It's just a knife in the back and he keeps fighting. And you can tell they're all like taken aback, like, holy shit, like they thought the fight was over and it's still ongoing. And he's like walking up and down that hallway and the knife is just sticking out of his back for the rest of the scene. And it's. I know the whole time I was like, why is nobody just grabbing that knife? Like, <laughs> seems like that would be enough to kind of put him down just to send yeah. some jolt, jolt pain through his body. You'd think, but he also gets a couple two by fours broken over him and still keeps going. No, yeah. one yeah, two I, by four, I'm done. I watched a lot of wrestling in the '80s, and usually one broken two by four takes a guy out, unless he can Hulk up after. <laughs> You'll say that was usually Hacksaw's finishing move. I know. <sighs> yeah, so if you haven't seen it, uh, high recommend, and don't listen to the spoiler section. Yeah. Because don't. The only thing I would say before we get to spoilers uh, with Old Boy is if you're watching it for the first time, like there's going to be a bunch of stuff that seems like it doesn't really make sense. Mm -hmm. It all fucking makes sense in the end. And that's something like I really noticed rewatching it now, knowing where it was going, is I'm like, well, that, like the relationship between those two characters doesn't seem to work for me. Mm -hmm. Except because I know what's coming. I know that the reason it the reason it works, even though it doesn't work, is because of what hasn't been explained to us yet. If that made any sense, and I yeah. think that it's it's it, it's extremely good filmmaking to have stuff to intentionally make things not make make sense when it's happening, knowing that it's going to make sense once you get all the reveals. I think that that's a difficult thing to pull off, and they've they do it really really well in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, e even me knowing sort of how everything plays out going in, I spent part of the movie just like, but this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then at the end, they sort of wrap it all up, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I accept that. Yeah. All right. So, do we need to get into the spoiler section now? So we have I, a, I think we do. A bucket, a bucket ready for when. <laughs> When you make yourself hurl by trying to describe the plot to each other. Spoilers. Um, if you will ever watch Old Boy, turn this off. Yeah, don't spoil it because I feel like I've lost a little bit. 
even though I did enjoy it. I think I feel like I just lost a a moment going into this. Yeah, even if you're the type of person that doesn't mind spoilers, this one's just I don't you'll take away something from it. Yeah. Mm. All right. So I think we've we've made that point clear, <laughs> and also I think we've probably got like all of our listeners going. The movie came out in '03. We've all seen it, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, I was going to say on the Facebook I saw a few people pop up to say they hadn't seen it Hopefully they have by now Alright so Spoiler for the ending (laughs) The Our main character figures out That the person doing this to him Is someone that He knew back in high school And Our first incest plot twist (laughs) Is that that guy was like banging his sister, and our, our I, I don't use the names because I will butcher them because I don't speak Korean. But our yeah, our main character uh, basically allowed that information to get out, which resulted in what appears to have been a suicide by the girl. Mm-hmm. So that's our that's our first incest plot twist. Um, the next reveal is essentially that. The waitress who has been our side character throughout the whole movie, who has become a lover to our main character, is actually his daughter. And the whole thing with them falling in love was all... They were both basically hypnotized throughout the 15 years that they were apart so that he would know to go straight to that restaurant so that they would immediately see each other and develop this connection and that all this would happen just so that the other guy could have his revenge of being like haha you revealed that I was sleeping with my sister so now I get to tell you that you were sleeping with your daughter (laughs) Um, things get pretty fucked up that's when we get our tongue cutting out there's a lot of screaming and yelling at each other in Korean it ends with the the original guy takes his own life, which I think is a really interesting plot point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the end, if I understand the end correctly, basically uh, our lead character has some memory we rewiped out so that he can go back to having his nice relationship with his daughter and they continue to be incestuous together. That was going to be my question. So are we to believe that they're still fucking after... Oh yeah, all this one down. that's how I took it. Is that basically like when they go out to that field together, he brings in that hypnotist to basically like, okay, let's get all this information out of the way, go back to how we were when we were happy. But that's a weird fucking decision to make. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's an it's an interesting thing that the bad guy basically put him into an impossible situation where no matter what he does, he's essentially destroying the life of his daughter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I mean he's his other option is to reveal to her what he what's been going on, right? And he doesn't want that. Right. Or or to leave and then the only man she's ever loved abandons her, you know, yeah. without telling her anything. Oh, no, the the vengeance in this movie is well executed. It is a no-win situation for our lead character at the end. Complete um, and total. So, and what I what I really like about it is that as soon as the guy has his revenge, he's just like, fuck this, shoots himself in the head. 
<laughs> and he's like, I, I pretty much just stayed alive this whole time so that I could watch you suffer. And I don't think it's getting any worse than this, so I'm out. <laughs> and I thought that is such a, it's such a fucking crazy idea. Like, cause how would you ever, like, you can't go back after that guy. Like, he's willing to just shoot himself in the head to get out of the situation. So you can't ever get any kind of vengeance on him now. You don't have that option. It turns out it's part of this whole reveal is that the guy was basically leading you to him this whole time. So this whole investigation that they've been doing, trying to track down who held him the whole time, it was all always planned for you to find out. So you've won nothing. Like everything you think you've accomplished, you really didn't. Um, this guy's been in control this whole time. You've basically, and there's even, there's lines of dialogue earlier in the movie where they say like, oh, you're just in a bigger prison now or whatever. And it's like, oh, he meant that very, very literally. He meant I still control every aspect of your life on every level. However, you're just simply not locked in a room. Um, which I didn't, is one of those things where it's like, when they said, oh, you're just in a bigger prison, I thought like, oh, it's because he... Like in, in my mind, during the early parts of the movie, it was like, okay, he can't... He's lost his family and all this, so he, he doesn't really get his life back which is how I interpreted it. But then when the reveal comes that it's like, oh no, he's been monitoring him through this, this whole time. And he's been guiding him and helping him solve this mystery. It's like, no, you, you've had no control over your own life whatsoever to the point where the only thing that's been making you happy is this new girlfriend. And it turns out we did that too. And it turns out you're not going to be happy when you find out the details. Yeah. Uh, and as, as far as acting goes, uh, Datsu's breakdown in the the tower once he finds out you know the the tongue cutting scene and all that yeah. mm -hmm. good god <laughs> like i don't i don't speak korean and that hurts me listening to him yeah does that the the tone of his voice whenever he's like shouting you know what i mean i don't well know. and i think it's because we've seen this character be so strong throughout most of this movie because for most of the movie, he's training. He's like living alone in this room, training, and then he's getting out and intentionally getting into fights. Then he's fighting fifty guys in an, in, a, in a corridor, and you know what I mean. And he's just constantly staying on his game and trying to track down this thing. And then we just see that big, strong character we've been following for an hour and forty minutes, and all of a sudden he just collapses. And you're just like, "Holy shit! Look what they did to that guy." <laughs> I will be your dog. Dates yeah. the dog. Look at so, my tail wag. Yeah, so, yeah, some of the dialogue, I think, maybe means something different to Koreans <laughs> than it does to North Americans. Yeah, and the fact you can't tell if the, the dude's like laughing into his handkerchief or crying at first. Yeah. Because I had a moment where I'm just like, well, maybe like he's like, this is it. He's done it. He's done everything. And he's sort of crying out of like, Oh shit! I've accomplished everything I've ever wanted for the past fifteen years, but then uh, it just turns out he's just—he's laughing himself into a fit the whole time. Yeah. So I thought I was surprised that there was multiple, uh, multiple plot twists involving incest in this one. I didn't anticipate too many incests. <laughs> I don't know. I was—I didn't either because I knew the uh, obviously the thing with his daughter. I did not know the thing with the sister, so that kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah. Um, and it's 
yeah, like it's there's so much to unpack in this ending. Like it's just the most evil revenge story of all time, and it it does this weird like like the the Shyamalan element of the twist is not the reveals because the reveals aren't technically twists. They're because they're we never were not were told that that wasn't true. But the big twist of the movie is that we thought we were following our main character as he sought his revenge. And it turns out we were actually following the other guy's story about him getting his revenge this whole time. Like we just, we, we, our main character is almost like the, he's the victim the whole time, but he's not really in charge of any element of the story. It's so weird. Yeah. I fucking love this movie. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's going to be a, a recommend from all of us. I'm yeah. Like, I'm like Noah's proclamation of the last movie. Yeah, this, this one is like it's a recommend from from all of us, and then nobody interrupts to argue. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is shit. No, just... <laughs> we should. I don't know. Are we are we done with discussing spoilers? Do you guys have anything you'd like to say? I feel like I took over that conversation and just talked. And <laughs> no. just like, get out of my way while I express all my thoughts. You said a bunch of shit, and I agreed with all of it. So, all right. uh, I I was kind of into the. Uh, I think the first time I watched it, I misunderstood something and that's that the brother and sister never actually had sex. Is that, that's, I think a little bit debatable. No, I, I think don't it, think, I don't think they did. Cause in the end he says that, you know, the rumors started going around and she started getting her hysterical pregnancy. And he says, my tongue got her pregnant. And I do believe the insinuation is, that really, that was the only time they ever did that. Okay, but once is enough. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. No, I'm not saying it's not inappropriate, but they, but I was, I was under the the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, they were having sex all the time, and then re, on the rewatch, I was like, oh, I think I misunderstood it. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not saying they weren't incestuous, but they weren't like full blown fucking yeah, all the time. You know what I mean? I don't really know the different levels of incest as well as some people might. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really my area of expertise, but it seemed really gross to me. Like enough that it's super gross. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do think like, yeah, what you're saying might be more accurate than the actual plot description I gave, which is that they were, again, they weren't, always having sex the brother and sister only the once which is and then you get into weird definitions like i don't we, we don't need to bill clinton the definition of sex we don't need to get into that <laughs> just, just what whatever, whatever it is whatever it is it's too many times <laughs> yeah all right is anybody anything else before we move on um well we you know what? Should we talk about the uh, squid scene? Because it is one of the best scenes in cinema history. The guy just eats a fucking live squid on camera. And the fucking thing is grabbing onto his face, trying not to go down his mouth hole as he's chewing on it. Yeah, that was gross. <laughs> that was super fucking gross and weird. And I'm not 100% sure why it happened. But it is one of the strangest, most off-putting scenes I've ever seen in my life. And I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know how you fake that. I think that guy just ate a live squid and they just, like, oh, look, it's grabbing onto him. Make sure the camera stays on for a while. I don't, maybe they just do that in other parts of the world and I'm just unaware of that, but I don't, I don't think so, that's a yeah. behavior. 
I wouldn't be surprised if that was that was just something that they do in other countries. And she like she implies like okay here it's alive you can see it alive now I'll cut it up and then you can eat it. Implies like like it'll be super duper fresh when you get it, but it'll mm. be dead. And he's just like, nope, not fresh enough. Just yeah. Because yeah. like, like, I've been to restaurants. Like, I don't eat any of this seafood stuff. And most other animals, you have to kill them in order to eat them. you got to chop them into little pieces. But like, a, you know, seafood restaurants always have, like, lobsters that you can pick them out while they're still alive, which is fucking... Yeah. It, it's weird to me. I don't understand why you want to see it alive right before you eat it. But people do. Oh, Noah has a great idea for a restaurant involving live animals. Oh, yeah. No, I let it sell. It's all yeah. I do. You had one about being able to pick out the cow you wanted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just slice off a piece. Yeah, they literally just bring the cow to your to your table and you just start slicing off a piece. Is, I think this is actually an old Dennis Leary bit that you guys are stealing right now. Probably. Oh, is it? <laughs> I, I, so. I just heard Noah say it before. Uh, so in the movie the scene where he eats the live octopus uh, the actor's name is Choi Min Sik I think is how you say that but he is a vegetarian and a Buddhist and he did that (laughs) he ate a live octopus and he did it four times for them to get the shot right so do vegetarians eat octopus no I have a niece that's a vegetarian, and I'm always looking for stuff to cook when she comes over. So, if they can eat, she can eat live octopus. I'll start getting some for her. No. All right. It says, but each time before they shot it, he would pray uh, to the octopus, offering it an apology. <laughs> and then the person added in brackets whether or not the octopus accepted the apology is unknown. <laughs> that's genius. <laughs> I'm sure the octopus was like, fuck no, put me down. Octopus are surprisingly smart, too. I know, that makes it even worse. I know. You're eating something that knows it's being eaten. Well, obviously, because it grabbed onto his face and tried to pull (laughs) itself out of his mouth. (laughs) Gross. there's, There's an interesting piece of trivia, too. The name the the name of the American, uh, main character was Odesu, and it's supposed to be reminiscent of uh, Oedipus. Mm. That makes sense, I guess. Sure. Never made I mean, that Well, because it doesn't sound the same if you don't speak Korean. So I don't know how to say Oedipus with a Korean accent. Dude. Don't try. Please don't, <laughs> please don't try. It's just going to be offensive. I know it. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Hey guys, this is Eric in Ann Arbor. I was just going to give you some feedback on your discussion regarding iced tea. I am an iced tea enthusiast as well, and I wanted to first recommend a Twitter account for you to check out, which is 
Ice T S V U at Ice T S V U. It's an account that uses some sort of algorithm to generate simulated exposition that he would deliver on that show. It usually starts with some sort of odd name for a new type of drug, and then uh, a description of what the drug is, and then a description of what the perp did when they found them at the scene of a crime on that drug. It's kind of amusing, so check it out. Also, uh, in regards to your debate over whether Ice-T is bad at delivering lines or whether he had bad lines to deliver, uh, I have a little something uh, to add. This will help you decide which it is. Some more evidence, as you were. This uh, What I'm going to play here is a little clip. He did an audiobook. Um, and <laughs> apparently what happened is that he got an offer to read an audiobook and really didn't know what it was before he started recording and uh according to what he said on his podcast about the whole thing uh he wasn't really too crazy about uh reading fantasy material uh i'm paraphrasing here by he said something along the lines of motherfuckers talk like yoda and shit so (laughs) i just want to play a little the beginning of this uh this is the reason i have this is because it's uh actually a book written by somebody i enjoy r.a salvatore who writes a series of fantasy books about a uh, drow elf named driz Durden, who is a rebel because he's good instead of being an evil dark elf uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna play this because any description i gave you of this would not do it justice uh so here's uh well here we go this is audible Audible Studios presents Comrades at Odds, written by R.A. Salvatore, performed by Ice-T. Winter, the year of the unstrung harp, 1371 DR. He looked out at the night sky with an expression of complete derision. For the rogue drow, Tosin Armgo had hoped he would never again look upon the vast ceiling of the overworld. Years ago, during the drow raid on Mithril Hall, Tosin had lost his companions and his house, preferring desertion to the continued insanity and deadly war that had gripped Menzo Berenzon. All right, so there you go. Uh, You can have a discussion about that and see uh, which side you come down on. Uh, Great show, guys. Keep up the good work. I'll talk to you later. Brian, Doug, Noah, it's Jeff from California or the Skewered Universe podcast, whichever you feel more appropriate saying. really doesn't matter to me. The shows have been really good lately. Uh, You know, Brian, Doug, you guys bring so much to the table. I'm not really giving Noah credit, even though he has been good, and I guess that is giving him credit. Because he said my childhood was sad on Facebook when I said I hadn't played Mario Kart, or not Mario Kart, but Super Mario 64. Just because I had a PlayStation. Well, Noah. Screw you, punk. <laughs> now, you know I don't really mean it, Noah, but um, I got a question for you guys. I want to know what you think of the Child's Play remake, now that we know Mark Hamill is involved as the voice of the doll. I don't know if it's called Chucky or not. I'm not really sure. I haven't looked too in-depth. They're saying Chucky everywhere in the news, so I'm assuming they're still doing The Killer is Charles Lee Ray or another person named Charles. But I just want to get your guys' 
opinions on what you think of the remake, and especially now that Mark Hamill's been cast. I myself wasn't really too excited about it. I saw the trailer and was like, eh, okay, maybe I'll check it out when it hits VOD or something. Now that I know Mark Hamill's involved, who is probably the only other person who could provide a voice as prolific as Brad Dourif's, I'm a little more intrigued and a little more willing to uh, maybe drop my money in a theater to see it. So yeah, let me know what you guys think. Later. So as you just heard, we had a couple of voicemails. A friend of the show, Eric, claims to be an iced tea enthusiast. I thought he was going to go into if he prefers like nest tea or brisk, but he ends up actually meaning. How did you just water. literally pick the two worst teas on the planet? <laughs> Because uh, that's how I roll. I feel like deep down, Brian has known Noah's opinion on tea for quite some time, <laughs> and he's been waiting for a chance to use it against him. <laughs> uh, just, uh, I just, we've known each other a couple years. I just, I could sense it like the force. <laughs> uh, so he saw here about uh, an audio book that Ice T did for R.A. Salvatore. I do not know how I have not known that that is a thing. <laughs> and I'm but, sure you're going to be getting it now. Oh, oh, tonight. <laughs> that is, I will have that. And dear God, did he mispronounce every freaking name he said from those books. Okay. <laughs> See, that's interesting because I don't know anything about the books, so I was like, doesn't sound that bad to me. <laughs> I don't know what he was saying wrong. <laughs> that's actually what I was thinking, too. I was like, oh, he's showing us a good uh, a good, a good, version of him delivering lines, but apparently we were wrong. Yeah. Or possibly Noah's wrong. Yeah, we don't know. I don't know. So, I, ev- everybody who pronounces those names pronounces them differently than Ice-T pronounces them so <laughs> I've got to assume Ice T is in error. If he's the official voice of the audiobook, doesn't that make the way he says them the correct way and everybody else should be adjusting? Oh, those books have been coming out for 40 years. Yeah, but not an audiobook format. No one's debating the spelling. I feel if the official audiobook pronounces them that way, then that must be the correct way. But that's like book 28 in the series. I'm saying. All the other books also have audiobooks, yeah. Any of which I've listened to. Well, yeah, this is, it's called retconning. So what they've done is they've changed the pronunciation of all those names. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Better suit uh-huh. what you're saying is they've arbitrarily changed it. No, <laughs> I cannot argue against the possibility of them arbitrarily changing it. <laughs> How it is? Doug just wants Ice Tea to be right. Uh, no, I, I'm kind of with Doug. I think everything should become the iced tea pronunciation. <laughs> I just, I feel like I should send him a pile of just books that I love and be like, tell me all these people's names. <laughs> He'd be like, Star Wars, Mon Moma. And I'd be like, yep, she's Mon Moma now. Uh, that'd be great to get him to do some Star Star Wars audiobooks. It seems like it might be disrespectful to the source material. But but I would want him to be able to uh, 
I don't want to say improv, but sort of make it his own. <laughs> so he could be like, that motherfucker over there. I'd be like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Chew Baraka shot him with the crossbow. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like the official decision is that we're that he's bad at this, but also that we all want him to keep doing it. <laughs> It doesn't help yes. at all. It's... That's true. I agree Ice... with that. <laughs> Listen, Ice T is terrible. I will watch every Ice T movie. Every one of them. Even the one, isn't there like ones where he's just driving his girlfriend's kids across the country or something? That's Ice Cube. That's, oh, yeah. shit. Wrong, wrong black guy, racist. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not getting my black guys mixed up. I'm getting my Ices mixed up. I can see him. Ice Cube, Ice Tea, Vanilla Ice. It's hard to keep them all straight. It is. We, we don't speak of Vanilla Ice. Oh. Talking about. Actually, Vanilla Ice is definitely my favorite of those three that you just described. Racist! <laughs> he's the most, it's, he's the most <laughs> ridiculous when it comes to his like career post his initial success. Come on. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Yeah. And I said post his initial success. I love when yeah. he was in that fucking Adam Sandler movie. I liked when there was just <laughs> clips of him riding a fucking uh, jet ski on the sports channel for a while back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it was like a fucking jet ski racer for a while because fuck it, he was already rich. Do you remember his hardcore period? Yep. Like dreadlocks and stuff? Yeah. Ooh, and it was not good. I'm still. Uh, no, you're right. It wasn't good. It was amazing. <laughs> One of my biggest frustrations in life was once that I was in like Vegas and I was just walking through a casino and I saw a big sign like Vanilla Ice performing tomorrow night and it was like I already had tickets to something else and I was like no, <laughs> I mean, I, damn it! I could be seeing Vanilla Ice and instead I'm going to Chris Angel to get my mind freaked. <laughs> I have some self dignity. I didn't go see Chris Angel when I was in Vegas. <laughs> what did you see? Uh, don't say you don't remember because that's a lie. No, I'm just trying to remember which thing I had tickets you know who to. Who I bet night. it wasn't? David Blaine, racist. <laughs> David Blaine, a black guy? Kind of. Is it? I don't. I'm trying to picture David Blaine in my brain right now. I don't know as much about magicians as you <laughs> seem to expect me to know. <laughs> I honestly can't remember what David Blaine looks like because every time I try to think of him, all I can remember are those. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw him. There was like a YouTube series of shorts called David Blaine Street Magic where they were making fun of him. No. And it's and it's like two gay guys that he keeps harassing over and over and over again. Each each clip, it's the same two guys. And they're like, stay away from us, David Blaine. You were a demon. <laughs> See, all I, I remember is that clip of Harrison Ford telling him to get the fuck out of his house. <laughs> Some weird special where he was showing magic to celebrities and they were in Harrison Ford's house and he did his trick. You guys know a lot about magic. And then Harrison Ford looked him dead in the eyes and said, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> I think it was like, okay, you did your trick. I got my check. Get the fuck out. That sounds right. Uh, uh. I don't even know which one David Blaine is now. Is he the one that like they just froze him in a block of ice and hung him over a street for days at a time? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. basically all of his magic tricks weren't magic tricks. Yeah, because I was yeah. gonna say that. I remember seeing that going. That's not magic. That's just 
it's kind of a dumb way to spend your time. But I guess he gets to be on TV and I don't. So that ends our discussion on Ice-T, who none of us think what David Blaine did was actually magic. That's our official response, Eric. That's, that's our official stance. <laughs> Thanks for your feedback. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, uh, what we learned is that uh, Eric's got good taste in books. Right. And Ari uh, Salvatore. I know he has Doug, bad taste in podcasts. And Doug didn't go see Vanilla Ice because he went and saw Chris Chris Angel instead. No, I'm trying to remember that night. Might have been the night I went and saw Frank Caliendo, which was not, not a particularly great use of my time either. But the guy whose only claim to fame is he did an impression of John Madden. That was only claim to fame. He also does impressions of Jim Rome. He does impressions of a lot of people. Who? <laughs> Uh, we don't know you and your sports talk. Oh, but you do because you know it's sports talk. <sighs> I just assumed. There was actually a uh, the the joke he made. He's like, "I'm about to do my Jim Rome portion of the show," and it means like ten percent of the audience is gonna think this is the best part of the show, and the other ninety percent won't know what the fuck we're all talking about. So just, just zone out. You can come back when you when the, when the guy beside you starts to stop, stops laughing. You can come back in. It'll be fine. Anyways. So anyway, Jeff called also. Yeah. Uh, basically just a rag on Noah for Noah giving him shit for him not playing Mario 64 back in the day. Yeah. I also never played Noah in Mario 64. Noah, so fuck you. Your your childhood was also sad. And yeah. Canadian, so doubly sad. I think it wasn't sad. I was outside doing things with my friends, not inside alone in front of the TV like you. Yeah. No, no see, being, being outside sounds sad. <laughs> and once again in Canada, just just I, I think that here's the difference. I live in a country where when you go outside, the risk of getting shot is very very minimal, so it's not sad at all. Yeah, but you can like but freeze like, to death, fall. He's got a point, huh? <laughs> so even if he gets really cold and gets hurt, he can just go to the hospital for free. Oh, yeah. yeah, I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even. I didn't even have health care to cover my repetitive stress injury from playing so much Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> I played Goldeneye so much, my thumbs got a uh, permanent curve. Slappers only. Oh yeah. Uh. So yeah, what the fuck else did Jeff say? I don't even <laughs> he remember. He wants to know what we think about Mark Hamill as the voice of. Uh, uh, I still think it's a horrible idea for a remake of this. I love Mark Hamill, but I still don't really yeah, care so that much. The thing is, I think it's a horrible idea to remake this movie, and mm-hmm. I, think, I think I'm not going to like it. What's changed is that now I'm going to see it. So I actually think this, <laughs> might, be a, this might be a mistake by like the studio. Because mm-hmm. now they're going to sell me one ticket and I'm going to hate the movie and I'm going to come on this podcast and I'm going to badmouth it to all of our listeners. Whereas before they cast Mark Hamill, I was just going to not watch the movie. So I, I'm not sure if the one ticket they're selling me is worth the amount of bad press I'm going to give it after I hate it. But hey, there's always a chance that I won't yeah. hate it. I will go in open-minded. And a dozen listeners maybe won't go afterwards. I was, yeah. was going to say, Mark Mark Hamill's a significant upgrade. It basically takes me from waiting for it to come out on Netflix to going to see it opening night. 
it, it, it's huge casting and like mark hamill is one of very few guys who it's, it's not stunt casting we know how good he can be mm-hmm. as a voice actor we know he's got that particular talent so it, it's it's good casting it's it's going to improve the film odds are the film will still be bad mm-hmm. uh, i don't know I just feel like it's so similar to the original movie that I still don't see the point. Like, I thought it was going to be a little different, so then when I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, this is still pretty close to the original movie, so I don't know what the point is. Yeah, I, Did they actually release a trailer for it already? Yeah. That no, shows you how much interest there was pre the Mark Hamill thing. We all know about, <laughs> we all know about Mark Hamill announcing he's going to be in it, but the trailer, uh, I don't know if I pay attention to that. <laughs> I was distracted by Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. Uh, should we talk about that too? Yeah, we might as well. So yeah, um, Jeff, that's that's pretty much how we feel. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so Joaquin Noah, Phoenix as the Joker. So Noah seemed excited. I think it looks like garbage. What do you think, Duck? I, I, I weirdly, I'm much more on Noah's side here. I think. Mm. Um, I, I think the beauty of the Joker character is that you could just do a hundred Joker movies with a hundred different backstories. In like, you could release the one a week, and they could all potentially be the real one. And anytime you could just go, yeah, none of those were the real one. This is the real one over here. I think that that character is unique in that way. Um, so this darker, more serious version of it, it's like, yeah, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in seeing a version where it's like a normal dude that just trips and falls into being a super villain. That kind of mm-hmm. sounds interesting to me. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited for it. I think I'm everything that comes out about it. The more that gets released, the happier I am about it. So I'm prepared. Yeah go into it excited and then be drastically disappointed because that's how it works with DC properties. Yeah, I'd say the weird thing is it looks like a great movie. I just don't know if it looks like a good Joker movie. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm definitely that at that point. Like, if you took all the clown stuff out, I would be intrigued by this movie trailer. Like, I would be like, huh, I wonder yeah, I would probably watch that. And then if you also take Joaquin Phoenix and put him in a Batman movie as the Joker, again, I'm like definitely interested, intrigued, definitely want to check it out. When you kind of put them both together, I'm just like, eh, I don't, I just don't want it. I don't know. See, I I just, I'm way more interested in this than I'm in like anything else DC has coming out. Um, so. Is, is it just me, though, or does this movie look like uh, they're remaking Vulgar instead of making a joke? <laughs> I can see that argument. Right? Yeah. Like like yeah. it's a big budget, good actor, Vulgar. I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, on, I'm in the camp that the Joker doesn't really need an origin story because I think he's better without one. And when you show me a trailer where it's like, well, he turned into the Joker because he was tired of people's shit. I'm just like, well, that doesn't really interest me. I don't know. I, again, I think it's a, as a standalone movie, I think if you were doing a Joker that's going to be in the main universe, which mm-hmm. I don't even know if DC has a main universe anymore, but if you were doing that, I would agree with what you're saying. I don't. Like, I, 
No. I liked I liked the Nolan approach to the Joker, where you didn't give him a back a, a clear backstory. Yeah. But I think as a standalone, I'm fine with this being one of the possible origins of that character. Yeah. So I, I did know. see a, a funny thing that somebody posted. It was like 1989. Uh, guy gets dropped into a vat of the worst chemicals imaginable. <laughs> gets turned into the Joker. 2019. Guy gets exposed to society, becomes the Joker. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. World sucks now. That's a funny. <laughs> that's a funny thing to point out. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I just, and I guess part of it is I try to think. Okay, well, how does this version of the little bit that I've seen in this trailer uh, fit into like the world of Batman? And I just don't feel like it does. Just like I also feel like you can't have a Venom movie without it fitting into the world of Spider-Man somehow, which is why I had no interest in seeing the Venom movie. Yeah, and well, and I don't, I don't know if it's a dream sequence or whatnot, but in the uh, in the trailer, there's the scene of him going on some kind of like a Tonight Show type of thing and walking out, mm-hmm. and that looks a lot like a scene from one of the comic books. And if that ends as fucked up as <laughs> that comic book does that could completely change my entire thought of what this movie is you have angry bees coming out of your microphone again god damn it you're good right now just it came out the last couple times you were talking yeah that's not good so putting bees aside um i i don't i think you could do a version of batman that fits this universe you have your Joker has his dark origin story. Batman has his dark origin story, and that's what makes them into mortal enemies. The similarities between the two are what make them not get along, kind of thing. I think it could work. I mean, it'd be like a darker version of Batman, even darker than like the Nolan version. But yeah, that's okay. I'm not opposed to that. I don't know. An R-rated Batman universe could be very, very interesting to explore. I told a friend of mine when we were talking about it, I'm like, look, at the end of the day, I don't know, maybe it'll be amazing. I was one of the people that when I heard Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker, I'm like, well, that's one of the worst things I've ever heard in my entire life. It's fucking stupid. And ended up admitting almost immediately that I was wrong as soon as I saw The Dark Knight. So I don't know. Maybe it'll win me over. Yeah. Also, if the movie ends, which I think Noah commented on this on his Facebook post, the movie ends where he's just it's the Joker telling Batman the story and the sort of implies that this is just all bullshit and made up that would be fantastic yeah I mean if if they can manage to do it in a way where the whole story is told from the perspective of an unreliable narrator that is an interesting that's always the, the way to, 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 to do a Joker origin would be that to be like here's what happened maybe some of it happened some of it kind of happened we're telling it all from his perspective so a lot of these people that were mistreating him might not really have been doing anything wrong and yeah i I like that idea right the alan the alan moore version that's exactly what happens so it's basically this version of the origin but like the joker's telling it and at one point he says I I don't even I don't even know if what I'm telling you is true because every time I remember it I remember it different. Yeah. So there's this whole idea of it's it's probably all bullshit. You know what I mean? It's just the Joker making stuff up. Yeah. 
Yeah, my friend came up with an awesome idea that Warner Brothers would 100% never do, just because because they're Warner Brothers. Is if they shipped the movie out with different versions of the movie and not told anybody. That'd be awesome. So, like, if you're talking to your friend who saw it, like, in another state or something, and even just, like, little things, like, they use, like, his name in the movie, his actual pre-Joker name was, like, different. And there was maybe, like, one or two small scenes that were a little different than each other. Like, that would be fantastic. So then when you start talking about it, you're like, but I don't remember that scene. And his name wasn't Bill, it was Fred or whatever. That would be fantastic. It's yeah. not going to happen. But. No, no, no. And like I said, not tell anybody. Like, nobody knows. Just, my friend basically said, can you imagine the internet conspiracy? Like, going back to the days of, like, Lost and stuff that would pop up if they did something like that and didn't talk about it? Yeah, yeah there's 100% no way it'll, it would ever happen. But him talking about it was enough to make me happy. <laughs> I'm going to pretend that that's what's going to happen <laughs> until when that movie comes out and be disappointed when it doesn't. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a couple more emails. Uh, Arch enemy of the show, Brian, wrote in. Arch enemy of you, friend to the rest of the show. <laughs> Said, hey, guys, I meant to get this out last week. So it might not. You got angry bees, Noah. God damn it. Here, Son hold, of a bitch. Hold on. I'll just shut my microphone off till you're done. Yeah. You don't have to turn it back on. It's fine. <laughs> hey, guys, I meant to get this out last week, so it might seem not as relevant, but then... Wow, I don't know what that was. Hello? Hey. Okay, you're still there. Yeah. Whatever that was, it wasn't on my end. Uh, I didn't think so, but... Uh, I meant to get this out last week, so it might not seem as relevant. Well, Brian, you're in luck, because we didn't do an episode last week. Uh... Really enjoyed the Tucker and Dale versus Evil and Cabin in the Woods show, which I agree. Those are two awesome movies. You still got bees, Noah. God damn it. <laughs> uh, I had a couple thoughts here. Oh, Jesus Christ. I had a couple thoughts here, too. So, by far, my favorite kill was the Merman, which was also my favorite monster. It was like an unholy combination of Meg Mucklebones from Legend and Chet's Frog Monster thing from Weird Science. Yeah, I can kind of see that, I guess. Yeah, it's not unreasonable. As far as the monster simply named Kevin, could that be a reference to Elijah Wood's character from Sin City? Tell you what, I for one would love to see a cannibalistic ninja in a goth Charlie Brown sweater hunting down hapless victims in that cabin. He was creepy in that movie. He was, yeah, and that's not it's not a terrible idea that that's who Kevin would be referencing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. It could be anybody else too. So <laughs> I think I believe I like to believe it's Kevin from Home Alone. So they come back upstairs, and there's just the whole cabin of booby trap. All trap. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, other Brian, other Brian's idea just fell to second. <laughs> they come upstairs, step on micro machines, and like fly through the air. <laughs> That'd be outstanding. <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to have to echo you guys and say there's so much potential for Cabin spinoffs. But not so much as movies, but maybe more in the vein of miniseries along the lines of sci-fi's Channel Zero. Six 30-minute episodes that consist of a few series throughout the year would be awesome. So much to explore. Like, who or what are the Titans? Where do they come from? 
where did this organization get these monsters? That'd be interesting. Like, do you think they have to like go hunt these monsters down? They're like trapping them. Yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> didn't seem like any of those monsters wanted to be in those cells. So. Yeah. They have to go like on safari, and they're just like, ah, we got it. We got We got another werewolf. <laughs> hiring locals to drive them around in jeeps. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get the Cenobite. <laughs> Throw that over them. Uh, are they real or genetically created? That's a good question. It's yeah. If they have to be hunted and trapped, I want to see a show about that. See, yeah, works out perfectly. And I love Noah's idea about a post-apocalyptic wasteland with the creatures running amok. Now, if only we could merge that with the ending of Ash versus Evil Dead. My God. Ooh. I don't disagree with that either. I think that'd be pretty fantastic. Uh, the only th other thing I got that I've been watching, Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix, and I love it. If you haven't seen it, watch it. They're really short, like 15 minutes. So you can bust out a lot of good stories in a short amount of time. I haven't finished the series yet, but what I've seen so far is so good. I know some people over on the Horror Etc. Facebook group were complaining about the brevity of the episodes, but it's refreshing to see a good, tight story without a bunch of unnecessary filler. All right, as always, keep up the great show. You haven't watched Love, Death, and Robots yet, but it's definitely my cue. Yeah, it's something people have been mentioning to me, and I keep going, eh, maybe I'll get to that. But then, like, every time I turn on Netflix, it's like, oh, look, the Trailer Park Boys are a cartoon now. I'll have to... <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to watch it this weekend, but I have to see Pet Cemetery and Shazam and watch the entire season two of The Tick, so that's not... Jesus Christ. <laughs> you gotta be busy. That's a lot of stress. If you need to take some time off next week, don't you hesitate. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know. I, David Fincher's involved with it, so I'm definitely like, anytime you say David Fincher's involved, my interest goes up about 75%. Yeah, for sure. So, um, just like when they were like, oh, we're going to remake The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And I was like, that's dumb. The original movie's fine. But David Fincher's going to direct it. Fine, just tell me when I can buy my tickets. Sons of bitches. <sighs> um, Alright, does anybody else have the email up? No, you have to read the next one too. Alright. Uh, so Laura wrote in, she said, Hey guys, I've posted on the Facebook site often. This is my first email. I listened to your Tucker and Dale Cabin in the Woods episode in the car last week and really enjoyed it. They're both favorites of mine, which I agree. They're both fantastic. Yeah. One scene in Cabin that I found particularly effective is when they're having their celebration party in the office, and in the background on the big screen, our survivor girl is getting the ever-loving crap beat out of her by the redneck zombie guy. Made my skin crawl. I do love that moment, and I'm kind of disappointed in us for not discussing it more during our show. <laughs> yeah. That was just fantastic, because they're all like, it doesn't matter if she lives or dies, they all just <laughs> turn their back to the screens. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I was driving down the road listening, and when you brought up the novelization of Cabin, I literally yelled, I have that into an empty car. Well, that means you're crazy. Uh, she, she already said she enjoys her show. We know there's something not right That's there. true. I've read it, and it is quite good. It doesn't just describe what's going on. It also tells you what the characters are thinking. I really liked it. But since I don't often have time to reread books, I'm pretty much done with it, and I'm happy to pass it along. Let me know where to send it, and I will send it your way, and you can pass it around. Keep up the good work. I look forward to future episodes. Best wishes, Laura in Wisconsin. Yeah. 
Well, Laura, during the episode while we're talking about it, I actually went and purchased my own copy. I haven't, I haven't read it yet, but I do have it. So if either one of you decide you want to read it. I know Noah's it, waiting for the audio book with Ice-T reading. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> then Marty got out of the car with his bong that turns into a cup. That's a smart motherfucker right there. <laughs> Damn, that sounds good. Um, well, yeah, maybe we'll have to like rock paper scissors over who gets to send their address to <laughs> the show's Which is oh gonna be really God. hard to do because we're chatting in an audio format. So, <laughs> what did you do, Rock? Well, then I did paper. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, that'd be fantastic. I just want a loop of you two playing rock paper scissors. <laughs> Put up on the Facebook group. Oh, audio rock, paper, scissors is the best kind. <laughs> um, all right, and that's all the feedback we got. Shit ton of it. It's actually not technically all the feedback we got. Oh, we got more? Yeah, so uh, I, one of the movies I watched this week, which we'll be discussing, is called... Uh, what the hell is it called? You Might Be the Killer? Yes. And uh, one of the comments I made about it on the Instagram account, the official The Midnight Drive-In on Instagram, uh, I said it was fun. Not great, but fun. And we got a response that just says, but kind of great. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Who's commenting? And it's from the actual writer-director of the film, which makes <laughs> me like him so much more. Because <laughs> he's apparently just hanging out on Instagram going, what do you mean my movie wasn't great? Yes, it was. <laughs> that's pretty so, awesome. So I'm, I'm now officially a fan of Brett Simmons, writer director of "You Might Be the Killer," Husk and the Animal, <laughs> and apparently also writer and director of his children's lives, according to his Instagram <laughs> profile description. So I thought that was worth mentioning. Oh, That's pretty God. funny. You guys, my dog just farted in this room. <laughs> it's so bad. I <laughs> uh, know you got bees. Turn your mic off again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. That's that's probably the worst feedback of the week is what Noah's getting right now. <laughs> this room this room is so small. It well, makes, it's well, burning my eyes. <laughs> why don't well while Noah's dying, why don't me and you talk about you might be the killer because I actually watched that this week as well. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, okay. So for people who haven't seen it, basic plot description guy realizes he's in a slasher type situation calls his nerdy friend who knows all about slashers to ask for assistance and the movie cuts back and forth between him being in a slasher movie and her giving meta advice on how to survive and realizing that he might actually be the killer dot 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 um, hence the title yeah so what did you think um i'm pretty much on the same page with you like yeah. i thought it was, i thought it was it was good it wasn't like the best thing I've ever seen, but um, I think it works well within its definite budget restrictions. Yeah. Like, it was obvious that they were like, we have this campground for a week, so we need to get all this shit taken care of, and then maybe we'll hire a semi-known actress to do the other shit that we'll film some other time. Yeah, we'll film completely separately, and yeah, it, it was pretty obvious that these things were filmed, like, just 
like there was no actual phone call going on between the two people, which yeah, you know what it is what it is. Like you're watching lower budget yeah. filmmaking. I was fine with it. Uh, I did think Allison Hannigan was good. I found her character very likable. Uh, agreed. She was basically Willow if Willow was a geek instead of a nerd. That's how I interpreted it. Yes. Um, I liked it though. Uh, I, it, for me, it was just tonally the movie was a little off. It's really hard to blend. Kind mm -hmm. of, we've talked about this a lot on the show. It's really hard to blend comedy and horror, and this movie tries to blend them. Um, mm. it, it was just a little off. It wasn't bad. It was just not perfect, which is. Yeah. I bar to hold movies too. I felt like a dick <laughs> saying that. Hey, hey, this movie wasn't perfect. <laughs> I can catch the writer director and tell him he's wrong about his movie. Um, yeah, it was. I, I thought it was fun to watch. It's probably not something I'll rewatch a lot though. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting take on the slasher movie, especially if you like kind of tropey type stuff that kind of yeah uh, plays with all that kind of stuff. A la Cabin in the Woods and Tucker and Dale and yeah, and I think part of the problem, yeah, part of the problem with it is that it is directly comparable to other movies we've recently watched that are great, and yeah. it's like it's not really fair to watch like another low budget meta horror mm. film and be like, oh, that one's not as good as Cabin in the Woods. It's like, well, of course it's fucking not. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it can't still be enjoyable. Like that's it's just, that's an unrealistic uh, standard. So. Because it's even like a meta thing to even a different subset of horror movies than what we've talked about lately. Right. Like uh, this one's definitely playing up the Friday the 13th angle where they're yeah. li literally counselors at a summer camp that's getting it ready for the kids to show up. And they start getting picked off one by one. And they kind of, yeah, they play with all those slasher tropes and have a good time with them. And yeah, yeah literally Willow's on the phone saying... Well, I mean, all this shit's happening. You gotta think. Uh, do you think you might be the killer? Because you know, our character wakes up all bloody and has no yeah. memory of like what had just happened. So, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I would recommend this movie to people if if the plot description and the like what we're saying about it, as far as the mixing a little bit of the humor and the, the playing with the tropes of a slasher film, if that's interesting to you, I'd say yeah, I'd watch this one. I just mm. go in with hopes too high. Um, yeah. Uh, Agreed. And it's right now, I believe, only available through Shutter. So you're, if you're already subscribed to Shutter, it's free to watch. Um, and you know, you, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I think you can rent it on VOD, but it's exclusively streaming on Shutter. Okay. Let me double check. Well, maybe I was wrong. Oh uh, nope. Here it is on Voodoo. You can buy it or rent it. But the only place you can stream it is on Shudder. Yeah. Which uh, you picked yourself up a Shudder trial to talk about the movies this week. And you watched uh, You Might Be the Killer. What do you think of Shudder so far? Uh, so far, pretty good. I had originally planned to use my free week of Shudder to watch the Critter series, and now I'm scrambling for things to watch because I, uh, you know... Yeah, you don't want to waste watch that. the Critter series. Don't waste that 90 made, minutes? Yeah, it's been made pretty clear to me that I won't enjoy the Critter series, so I'm not going to risk it. But yeah, it's... I have it I have it loaded onto an Android box as well, and I find the app 
it did warn me when I was downloading it. It's like, this might not be optimized for your device. And hmm. the movies have frozen up on me a couple of times. Ah. And it, what bugs me, I think, about it is that when the movie, like, freezes, well, it has to, like, buffer or whatever, the actual, like, shutter symbol comes up, implying hmm. that they know this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> and, if, and I'm like, well, if you know what's happening, make your app work better. <laughs> but that's a really minor complaint. Overall, it's like, it is a, a fun list of movies. It's, for me in Canada, it's five bucks a month. Yeah, it's that's like, what it is so, on here too. Yeah, so like what I did is I actually dropped my Netflix down to standard definition for my definition. Oh. Um, so I'm saving like four bucks a month on that. And then yeah. I sign up for the shutter and then so I'm uh, getting access to both services and I'm only paying a dollar more a month than I was before. Oh, that's not bad. Pretty good system. And I mean, realistically, you guys, everyone listening to this podcast knows what I listen to, what I watch on Netflix. Like, <laughs> this is a documentary about a guy who forgot his foot in a locker. I'm like, do I need to see that in high def or is, is standard def fine for that? Uh, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying it. Um, I don't know. I'm always a big proponent. I mean, it's exclusively a streaming service for horror and horror adjacent content. Yeah. So, so it's I, always I am, for me. The one thing for me is like, and it's just because I'm a new subscriber is to wait and see how often do they add stuff mm -hmm. um, and what kind of stuff do they add because that's there's not enough on there that I would keep this forever because there's very quickly it's going to be I've seen everything on there uh, mm -hmm. mostly because I've seen a lot of it already um, but if they're regularly adding stuff which they've already added stuff since I signed up so um, I assume that means that it's not that long until they add another batch of stuff. Mm -hmm. If so, you, uh, if you at least for the U.S. version, I don't know if there's a separate. Uh, I mean, usually there's like a separate licensing thing for Canada and yeah. the United States. So I don't know how it works with Shutter, but on the U.S. Uh, Shutter Facebook page, uh, they do put a graphic up that shows what's coming like every month. Okay. Which they're going to be adding like week to week. So, so I don't know. If yeah, I'll, yeah. Uh, we'll see. For now, I'm going to keep keep it and keep working through some stuff. I was also reminded through some pop up ad that the Creepshow TV series is going to be dropped to Shutter. Oh yeah, that's right. I'll be I'll be watching one episode of that really excitedly, and then finding out after that whether I'm. <laughs> but I forgot. I remember the names being involved in that. I expect it'll turn out okay. Yeah, Greg Nicotero is kind of overseeing the whole thing, which is awesome. Yeah. And they just added Adrian Barbeau is going to be in an episode that's a Stephen King story. So it should be fun. All right. Well, speaking of Greg Nicotero, should we talk about how good The Walking Dead has gotten? Uh, yeah, we could talk about that. Um, I don't know. I almost want to make sure we are careful not to spoil it for people who haven't watched it because I'll just say flat out if sometime over the last two or three years if you stopped watching it i completely understand why you would have done that start again at the time jump and just yeah. the movie the show is just back to its peak since then the best it's ever been i'd say yeah i've been enjoying it uh season finale was a little anticlimactic for me but i feel like they're trying to let them sort of end on a good note at the end of the season yeah. Um, because the episode before was one of those holy fucking shit did this actually just happen episodes so yeah. 
they kind of didn't want to, I guess, burn too many, not burn, but just shock people like two well, weeks I, in a row like that. Th- this is something that this I, 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 once a week I tell you why other things are based on Buffy, but this is this week's example of this. This is something they used to do on Buffy is have your big final fight in mm. the second to last episode so yeah. that your final episode can be about, you know, watching your characters come down from the fight and then seeing how they react and starting to set up storylines for the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what they did here. And I'm, oh, fine. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I mean, after the ending of the second to last episode, what were you going to do? Try to have another climax? Yeah. There totally. was, there was nowhere to go. That was that moment that were uh, the, the moment that I'm trying not to say out loud. <laughs> it's just like, it's perfect, but I understand why you wouldn't necessarily want to end on that much of a downer. Mm-hmm. So you end your 15th episode on that out of 16. And then you have, and the other thing to defend the season finale would be, they did go, okay, fine. We're not going to have a big climactic, but we will have a cool zombie fight in the snow. Cause mm-hmm. we haven't ever that seen was, this before. Really? That was and, pretty fantastic. Yeah. And it was like, so here's some really cool visuals. Um, minor spoiler like in the with none of the major characters that are out there fighting zombies it's all guys you know are going to live basically mm-hmm. if you're if you understand how tv works you understand certain characters aren't going to die in this innocuous scene but it looks great and so that's just kind of a fun thing to do um in order to keep that season finale interesting even though it's not as climactic as it could be yeah should yeah. we talk about how great the whisperers are as bad uh, Whisperers are fantastic. I think Sorry, go ahead. Well, having because like I never read I read the first trade of The Walking Dead and uh like it just didn't grab me. But for some reason the TV show I'm totally into. So I didn't even really know who the whisperers were, how how they worked. But ever since they've debuted I've just been like, holy fuck, like this is Yeah. I feel like it completely just changes like everything. Well, it's they work on so many different levels too, because like obviously, like for people who haven't seen it, these are these bad guys, it's revealed very early in after this time jump that they, they basically dress up as zombies and they're able to walk amongst the zombies and to some extent to guide the zombies where they want them to go. Like they mm. can kind of turn a horde in a certain direction if they want. So if they wanted to, they could just get thousands of zombies to storm your little town or whatever. If they just yeah. choose to do that. They just, they can just do that, um, which is scary as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, the visual of them all wearing those zombie masks is fucking awesome. Like mm-hmm. I'm shocked how well that works. Um, yeah. And I love like there's because there's Alpha who's the leader. She often will take her mask off, but then her main henchman called beta he leaves his mask on like i don't think we i don't think we ever see him take it off no. he just has this cool fucking like half zombie mask that ends where his beard starts so you don't can't see any of his face and he's mm. just this huge motherfucker and he's <laughs> just genuinely creepy looking the whole time but the thing yeah. the thing about them that's like okay so you've got all that like there's all your horror movie version of scary bad guys and you're like that's cool but the other thing is the reveal that comes again really early on is that 
they've completely rejected the notion that you should be trying to rebuild the old world. Their concept of how to survive after the in this post-apocalyptic thing is to survive amongst the dead. So where they're looking at it, they're looking at these people who are living in these villages and that is like, oh, you're trying to reclaim a fake life. They have no interest in that. And that's, that's really unique because throughout human history, 100% of man-on-man conflict has been basically fighting over resources. Mm-hmm. Whatever that resource is, it's you have more than me and I want it, or I don't have enough to survive, so I'm going to come take yours. And that's what the fighting has been about throughout human history. Well, these are like, these, what's great about these villains is that's, that's not the issue with them at all. Like, they just, they don't want what you have. And they don't really care too much. Like, they don't have anything for you to take. So they're uniquely evil in that sense. Whereas, like, when they kill somebody, it's it's not for a reason, per se. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah. Uh, and it's... Or not for a reason that would be traditionally understandable by regular humans. Yeah, they're not they're not waging war to, like, well, we want that village, so we need to kill everybody who lives there so that we can live there. Yeah. It's literally, we want to destroy the concept of civilization. Yeah. Which makes it fantastic. It's, yeah. It's so, and they, yeah, and like, you can't, you couldn't negotiate with them. How could you, right? Like, it's, because there's a great moment in this season where like these, they've just decided like they're in full-blown cartoon mode at this point, so there's like, a group of cowboys like storm in the streets and they go to like take somebody hostage. The highwaymen. Yeah. I love and those guys. I, I thought they were fantastic. Like I, I don't yeah. mean it as a criticism when I say no, no, I know. Cartoon. It's, but like I, with those guys, it's just like, well, how about you guys are out here like clearing these streets and you're basically just trying to keep the streets safe. So stop kidnapping us keep the streets safe for us and allow us to have passage and you guys can just have access to our resources. And they're all like, yeah, deal. <laughs> and so for the rest of the season, they're out there. Like every time our characters have to go somewhere and they go out on the road, it's like the road's clear of zombies and there's just these cowboys on the side. Like, Hey, Hey. And then every now and again, the cowboys come into town and it's like, yeah, like that's it. But that's how it would work in the real world. You're either going to go to war with these guys or you're going to negotiate a settlement. And the thing with Whispers is they are the polar opposite where you can't ever get that settlement. There will never be a peace with them because how could there be? Yeah, I've been really excited about it. I'm disappointed the season finale had like its lowest ratings ever. Yeah. But hopefully... uh, I think they're still suffering from the last couple of seasons. but Yeah. Which I didn't, I didn't even hate, but I like fine. I get it. Hate, hate's, a, hate's a strong word, but like I gotta say, like I didn't realize how sick of Rick I was until he left. Um, <laughs> you know, like that's that's, that's not a spoiler. Point. I mean, they used it in their marketing campaigns, but it's like, oh my god, the show's so much better without him there. Yeah, um, and I think I, I like looking back on it. It's like, yeah, he was a major part of the problem. Uh, and then there's just, I think they mishandled Negan and the Saviors quite a bit, which I'm not even familiar with the source material. 
but just mm-hmm. how cool that character was, how cool Negan was on screen. Yeah. And then they didn't seem to be able to write a storyline that where they used him properly. Ironically, yeah. now now that his storyline is over and they've just got him locked up in a basement, they've basically given him a life sentence in jail. He's the most interesting he's ever been. <laughs> yeah, the uh, there's an episode where he escapes, and he like it's it's just a character thing. There's no real like nothing to really spoil, but he's able to get out because of some. Uh, uh, I don't know. Somebody who's absent-minded didn't end up locking his cell door when they brought him his dinner or whatever. So he escapes and he thinks, "Oh, this is it. Get back out there. I could be, I could be Negan again. I can build up an army and you know get back to where I was." And then he gets back to the sanctuary and just like everything's trashed and he sees a couple people that were his on his team and they're zombies now and he's just like this is bullshit <laughs> so he, he just starts heading back like he's gonna go turn himself back in and that's when judith finds him yeah and he's just like there's nothing out here for me anymore like that's just my time's over so he heads back and voluntarily gets locked up again it was a great episode it was it was there was a that's this is something walking dead used to do that i, I feel like they screwed up last couple of seasons is they would do these flashback episodes to explain why care it's it's basically a a whole episode designed to explain why a certain character is acting the way they're acting Mm -hmm. and this negan had his and they did one with michonne as well which was really really good where like michonne had taken certain very strong stances sometime during the time jump and we had never really been explained like why is she behaving so differently now and I, I was willing to accept it because I'm like, it's been six years and her husband or whatever died. Like, yeah, I can see that the character would be different than she would have been before. Mm-hmm. But they go through and they give her an actual full episode where it explains the backstory that walks you up to basically why she's behaving the way she is in uh, throughout the rest of the season. And you're like, oh, that all makes sense now. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> But it's heartbreaking too. It's just like, ah, oh, it's fucked yeah. up. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's one thing that the show has really done is it's recaptured its emotional spirit where you're just mm-hmm. like, when shit happens to these characters now, I care. Whereas, like, I just wasn't caring for the last couple of seasons. You know? Yeah. It's no more, it's no more, we're going to fake a character's death and then later we'll kill that same character and you've already wasted your emotions the first time when you thought he was dead so you don't give a shit the second time he dies. Yeah. Or or we're going to fucking like spend half of a season telegraphing that a character wants to die and then have him die and be like, okay, well, you all knew that was coming, right? Like it's <laughs> all that kind of stuff has kind of gone away and it's back to like, like what happens in episode 15, the second to last one of the season? Again, trying not to spoil it for people who haven't seen it or are waiting for Netflix or whatever, but it's like, there's no way you could predict that coming. And when it happens, it really is a gut punch and it affects so many characters on very intense levels that you know that that moment is going to have an impact for seasons to come. It has to. Yeah. It's It was more impactful than Rick leaving was. Well, let me tell you a little story here, Doug. All right. So that episode, my DVR recorded it, and then I was busy doing something, and so I was going to watch it like an hour and a half, like after it ended. 
So I watch it, and my DVR cut it off. Oh, no. And I mean, not just cut it off. Like, there was like 15 minutes left because they oh, went, no. they went, whatever their guide or whatever did not get updated. And I was like, what the fuck? Well, that's a bunch of bullshit. So, listeners will have no idea, but somebody comes into the movie theater and sits down, tells somebody to shush, and then commercial break, and that's where it cut off. Okay. And I'm like, well, what is this? I'm like, well, this is bullshit. And I noticed it was already up on On Demand. So I was like, well, I'll just watch the On Demand version. And I'll just fast forward to that part. And that cut off at the same place. Oh, weird. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then, like, I'm on Facebook and I see people going, oh, my fucking God, I cannot believe it. And I'm like, motherfucker. So luckily, the rerun was just starting after, like, Talking Dead and all that bullshit. So I just stayed up and watched the whole thing. And I'm glad I did, because if I would have went to bed, I would have been super pissed the next oh morning. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, if you'd found out about that moment before you saw it. Yeah. So, because I was in kind of a unique situation, because I haven't been watching the show. I've been letting it build up. Mm-hmm. So then when I went back to it, I was, like, a couple episodes behind when that when that one aired. Um I kind of tried to plan it so that I'd be able to finish the season. Like basically the day after the season finale, I watched it and then we're done. Yeah. But it was like, I had it all planned out kind of. So then I started to see like things pop up on Facebook or wherever that was saying like, Oh my God. And I'd be like, okay, don't read it. Don't read Like, you know what I mean? Cause, uh, but yeah, it was, oh, yeah. that moment, that moment is so fucked up. And the implic, the, uh, the implication of what has to have happened shortly after that moment is like I'm almost glad they didn't show it because it would have been too heartbreaking to watch. But mm-hmm. I agree. What's what somebody I presume Daryl because I just know based on the way the characters behave throughout. The, I'm guessing it was Daryl that had to go do it. I can't imagine how that would have been to watch. Yeah. So I, Noah, Noah, you see anything exciting that you want to talk about? Hi. Uh, no. <laughs> not not no. at all. Uh, I started watching season two of The Tick. Okay. Yeah. It's really funny. Um, John Hodgman's on it as a recurring character, and I'm a big John Hodgman fan, so I was glad to see that. Well, if you know this, Doug, he's a PC. Hmm? So he's a PC. It's a PC. Oh, he was the one in those uh, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC commercials. Oh, okay. I forgot about yeah. those commercials. Does it? A really good podcast, Dead John Hodgman. Hmm. I've never heard his podcast. It's, it's been... Doing... Go ahead. I was going to say, it's really funny. Yeah. I used to listen to him. I used to enjoy him on The Daily Show back in the day. Yeah, yeah it's delightful. It's, it's like his podcast is a nice break from all the other stuff I listen to, just because he's so, like, uh, positive all the time. Hmm. And kind of lighthearted about stuff. And uh, you need that. Because most of the ones I listen to, everybody's all broody and bitchy all the time. Which I find entertaining, but it does kind of drag you down. Well, I should probably listen to that because I just binged a podcast. 15 episodes about the Zodiac Killer. And then before that, the first season was like 12 episodes about a serial killer who killed children in Atlanta. Yeah. Back in the 70s. So... Are the, do you recommend those? Because I've been listening to the commercials for those podcasts on uh, all the uh, 
all the other podcasts I listen to. So. Uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed them. Yeah, they're good. So I just can't yeah. get down with true crime. Well, well I talk, I, it's not my I, thing. I talked to true crime, and true crime said it can't get down with you. So oh snap! I'm, I shouldn't I be grateful for that? <laughs> thank you, Th- thank you, true crime, for not happening to me. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, Doug, you got any more? A uh, couple more things I watched. Uh, I, d- I did one rewatch this week. Uh, 2012 movie called The Battery. Oh, yeah. Do you guys remember this one? Have you seen I it? I still haven't seen it, but it's been on my to-watch list forever. Well, you should watch it because I just rewatched it again, and it really holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people who haven't seen it, it's basically post-apocalyptic zombie world. Um, and we just follow. It's, it's very non-traditional because we don't. It's very very little to do with zombies. We just follow these two dudes walking around. They're basically guys that were on the same baseball team, uh, like semi-pro baseball team. So they were together when the apocalypse happened, and now they're like a team that has to survive. But they don't really get along that well. Um, the movie is like very kind of low-key. Like there's, well. With the exception of the climax of the film, which involves a bunch of zombies showing up because it is a zombie movie, uh, throughout the runtime of the movie, there's, I don't know, five zombies and three humans that they interact with in the whole time, and the rest of the movie is just these two guys on screen. So, very, very interesting take on the subgenre. It's constantly them arguing over like what the best way to try to figure out how to survive is. It's got these great little moments. Like, they're at this one house, and they're kind of like... They went there with somebody they knew, so they went there to check it out and see if that person happened to still be alive. They're not. So they're basically raiding the house looking for cool stuff. Um, And there's just a moment where they're, like, standing out front. One guy's standing out there, and the other guy comes out, and he's like, check it out. And he's got toothbrushes. They just stand there and brush their teeth because in a zombie apocalypse, you don't get that many opportunities to brush your teeth. And it's just, it's great how this movie just takes those little moments and just hovers on them for a second. And it's just like, look at how much they're enjoying this simple little pleasure in life because they don't get it as often as you or I would. In a world with no running water, you can't just brush your teeth every day. Um, so, I, anyways, I really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does suffer mildly from the uh, it, the uh, acting <laughs> effects of some of the uh, low-budget filmmaking, but that's life when you watch real low-budget filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So, I'm assuming Noah has tripped you up with his message that he can't hear you. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know <laughs> if anybody else can hear me or not. I can hear you. All right. You're good. Okay. So anyways, yeah, the battery is a huge recommend for me. I I love it. And I'm actually like angry now that I waited like seven years to rewatch it because it's only (laughs) my second time watching it. And I should have seen it a bunch of times. Yeah. Like I said, it's on my to watch list with like a billion other things, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. That's just how life works when there's so much available to us now. Um, what else did I watch? Anything? Checking my list. Oh, okay. 
Uh, I finally got around to another movie that's been on my watch list for a while that I'd completely forgotten about until I stumbled across it now that I have Shudder. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie's called Let Me Make You a Martyr. Have you heard about this? Mm, no. So uh, the reason I heard about it is because everybody was talking about how good Marilyn Manson's performance yeah, I was it is. Say, that's the one where Marilyn Manson's a white supremacist or something, right? Uh, he's a hitman. It's not yeah, specifically yeah. a white supremacist. Okay. I don't think they say in the movie that he's not a white supremacist. But <laughs> um, no, it's just a racist. Yeah. We're throwing the term racist around a lot. <laughs> We're all just, just, just accusing everybody of everything. But um, yeah, anyways, that's that's what I ca- I remember hearing that about it. And I remember seeing the trailers and wanting to see the movie back when it was like new a few years ago and then not seeing it. So now I did see it. Um, basic plot line is that like this guy who's been, so there are all these low level criminal types. And this one guy comes back to town. Um, this movie fits into our second sub category for the week of incest movies. Cause the guy is like sleeping with his stepsister and they're going to take care of their stepdad. Meanwhile, stepdad knows all this is going on and hires Marilyn Manson, who's a hitman, to take them out. Um, surprisingly slow, dramatic movie, considering the subject matter and the fact that it was on Shutter. I was expecting more of a horror movie, more of like bloody kills and stuff. Um, but actually, it turned out to be a really good movie. Like the acting all around is really good in it, even though most of the people are people I didn't recognize who I don't think have very long acting uh, reels below their belts, but very strong performances, long dialogue scenes that don't get boring because the actors know what they're doing and are able to deliver them well. And uh, yeah, if it'd be a recommend for me if you're a fan of like crime dramas more so than a fan of like horror movies. There's only a few like kill moments in it, and they are executed quite well, but they're not really violent on screen deaths. This is sort of the opposite of Ichi the Killer, where it's like we're gonna put all the psychological stuff to the forefront and allow the violence to just kind of hover in the background. So there is like there is one scene that's like it's extremely well shot. Marilyn Manson's going to kill a guy, and he's like he goes in and he talks to the guy for a while and we already know this guy like is like a drug addict so he lets him shoot up before he kills him which I think is a nice thing to do <laughs> but we basically see Marilyn Manson like pouring gasoline on this guy as he's laying there high on the couch and then cut to now Marilyn Manson's walking out the front door and there's like a fire in behind him and so we don't actually like watch the guy burn or anything but it's just this extremely well done shot, these cool shots of Marilyn Manson because he's all creepy and weird looking because they don't do that much makeup. So he just looks like himself. And then with this fire in the background, it's just really neat looking. Um, but like I say, not not gory or anything like that. So it's, well, it's it, I, I've, I've become a fan of these sort of crime dramas. People have probably pieced that together based on the fact that every couple of weeks I recommend one. But uh, <laughs> If you like that sort of thing, then I would uh, I would probably check this one out. It's just just kind of surprised me because it's on Shutter that it wasn't more 
leaning towards the horror elements of the crime drama film. Especially with Marilyn Manson. That. Yeah, I anticipated more like a lot more violence and a lot less dialogue, and it's not what I got, but I was still pretty happy with what I got. That's good. Anything else? Uh, no, that's it for me. Um, I got a couple I can power through real quick. Coworker told me one day he had never seen Army of Darkness. Okay. I went, but wait, what? And I was like, come on, at least Evil Dead 2. And he's like, nah, I've never seen Evil Dead 2. And I'm just like, what? What's, what's the matter with you? Because this is immediately after he said, oh, I'm a big fan of like uh, uh, campy B horror movies. What? Yeah, exactly. So I said, well, you're coming over on Sunday. We're watching Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd let a person like that into my house, but I can understand what your motivations were, at least. For the better good. And uh, so, yeah, so we watched Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. He liked them. Um, don't need to go too much into those, I guess. You know, do, you know, do you recommend those to people? or? Uh, yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, I watched uh, You Might Be the Killer. We already talked about that. Uh, well, I guess the other two big things, one of them, no, will be happy or unhappy since I've already seen it. But, uh, I was looking at Facebook and they're like, Hey, we're having a, uh, an early screening of Shazam like tonight. And this is like on the 24th of March. Okay. I was like, ah, oh, this must be like something for Chicago or something, but it was through Fandango at my local theater that, yeah, you could buy tickets and go see Shazam two weeks early. So you sure as shit I did that. Yeah, if I'd known about it one day earlier, <laughs> I could have went. Yeah. So I bought tickets, went. Um, absolutely love the movie. It's so much fun. Like, I'm talking like Guardians of the Galaxy fun. Like, it's just... Oh, really? Yeah, like... If people don't know about the character Shazam, he's basically given these powers from a wizard. And uh, when he says Shazam, he's a 14-year-old boy. When he says Shazam, he essentially turns into Superman. Just to, you know, for the layperson who doesn't know the comics. Su- Superman with magic lightning powers. Yes. And so the movie is a 14-year-old trying to figure out what this means and how this works and what he can do with it. So if you take Superman, mix him with Spider-Man, you kind of get a little bit of this movie. So That sounds fun. It is a ton of fun. Of course, the, I mean, it's in the trailer. The first thing they do is they try to go buy beer since he looks like an adult. And then, of course, stop a robbery in progress. And then, uh, you know, he's just trying to figure out what his powers are. So it's, there's a lot of these, like, uh, videos of them like seeing how strong he is and if he can fly and like all this stuff and it's, yeah it's a lot of fun uh, big recommend for me uh, probably my favorite DC movie they put out and uh, yeah like I said it's just I mean it's like Guardian like I feel like how he felt when I walked out of Guardians for the first time where I was just like oh my god that was so much fun and yeah Spoilery question. Is there a rock cameo? No. 
there is a there is a mention of somebody in the past that is will be a setup for a future movie, but but there is other things that show up that you are not going to expect, and you're going to be like, no, that's not even going to be something. And sure enough, it is. So, big recommend. Technically, is out right now as we're recording this. So, Noah, go this weekend. Enjoy. Tell me what you think when you get done watching it. Yeah, I'm going Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I may end up going again this weekend to see it because it was fantastic. I loved it. So, uh, the other big thing I went and saw twice since the last time we recorded is I went and saw Us, which uh, I absolutely loved. Been, you don't have to say you loved it after you tell us you saw it twice. Yeah, I know, right? Well, I've been seeing like posts on Facebook of people that are just like, nah, I didn't like it, thought it was dumb. And I don't, like, I just can't understand why. Like, I thought it was amazing. Like, I because thoroughly, they're racist. Maybe because they're racist. That might be it. It's not, they're not automatically racist if they didn't. I like don't them. know. The type, the type of people who shrug off Jordan Peele's movies are a pretty specific group of fucking people. It's one thing if you go, oh, I saw it and I didn't really much care for it. You know what I mean? But the type of people who are like, oh, it's fucking bullshit. I can't believe people watch this crap. It's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I had a great time with it. I feel... Um, I feel like this is one of those movies that they're going to be talking like we look back on like Wes Craven movies that are not like the mainstream ones that sort of everybody knows but you mentioned stuff like people under the stairs or something and people are like oh I fucking love that movie like this is going to be one of those movies for people and I'm hoping that means Jordan Peele is going to do stuff that's even better and more mainstream after this because so far he's two for two for me. Like I love both of his movies. Um, yeah, just some cool stuff. It's very gory, lots of blood, um, and is uh, more of just a straight up horror movie than uh, Get Out was. Get Out was still fantastic. Had some great horror stuff, but this one, like this, is his horror movie. And I saw like. Places trying to call Jordan Peele's new thriller or whatever. And Jordan Peele went on Twitter. He's like, no, this is not a thriller. This is a straight-up horror movie. So stop calling it a thriller. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing good things about it. I gotta get to it. Yeah, even watching it a second time, I picked up on a lot more stuff. So worth multiple watches if you want to yeah, sort of one of, the, one of the things that I think is a compliment to it, even though I haven't seen it, is I've had more than one person say, like, you should see it because I have questions. And I'm like, that's a that's a compliment. <laughs> people are it's leaving people not fully understanding, but in a way mm. where they want to discuss it further. Yeah. Which is a pretty big compliment. Yeah, me and Amanda, she loved it too. We drove drove home after seeing it and we just like talked about it the whole time. Just like, ah, oh, this is what this was referencing, like all this stuff. Like, it was yeah. fantastic. High recommend for me, obviously, if I've seen it twice. And we'll probably end up seeing it again before it gets out of theater. I have to see it once just so I don't feel bad about you seeing it so many times that way. 
I got to get Jordan Peele another movie. I need to go give him some more money. You're taking on that responsibility yourself. So when he gets another movie, I'll be like, see, guys, I did it. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right. So next week, we're going to go see some uh, some 80s horror movies that take place at night. Trying to figure out how I can tie in the titles of these two movies together. It's like our our topic is night of the underscore and then a blank space. Yeah. Right. So. so we're going to be checking out Night of the Creeps. And Night of the Lepus. No. I did put I did put Night of the Lepus on the uh on the list yes. for you, Noah. Yes. Yay. On the list yeah. we do have Night of the Lepus and Food of the Gods. So we'll be getting to those. <laughs> the subject matter for that week will be uh movies where they want animals to look giant, so they just get normal sized animals and <laughs> tiny little props for them to climb on. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Night of the Creeps and Night of the Comet. Uh, they don't have a whole lot in common other than they were in the eighties and Night of dot dot dot. So should be a lot of fun. I mistakenly thought Doug had told me he had never seen Night of the Creeps before this started, and I had about had a brain aneurysm. <laughs> Turn out it was Night of the Comet. I was like, oh, okay. I have not seen Night of the Comet. I will clearly be correcting that. <laughs> Hopefully, be correcting that. You should. It's be easily available somewhere, right? Um, I looked on this app that tells me where stuff I can is where stuff is that I can watch. Like, if it's streaming, can I rent it? And it's not on a very very many places. So that's good. That app is also only works for American sites. So. Oh. Doesn't have it where you can select your country? Oh, maybe. I, I went to the website, not the app. And when I searched uh, stuff, it gave me all the American stuff. Gotcha. Oh, God, the dog. Oh, Jesus. That was dying. Why? Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Goodnight.